And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. folks, welcome into On to Waveland, postseason edition. Uh, I'm Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Uh, you know, it's funny, I was thinking as I said it in that moment, when we, when we talk about the postseason, so obviously postseason is a term of art, means the playoffs, right? But it, it also means like the after season period. And I always, as a, as a scribe, I'm like, how do I delineate between the two? And I'm like, I want to talk about the, it's not the off season, not there yet, but I want to talk about the after season period for a team that is not playing in the quote postseason. Uh, and we'll get to that. Maybe, maybe you guys, you know, you guys are loser time. What's that? Loser time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The timeout period for you did bad. Go to your room for a couple of weeks. While everyone, while the good teams get to uh, play it out on a national stage. So we actually will start there. We'll get into, of course, Cubs president Chet Hoyer's season-ending press conference and some of the takeaways there. But we want to start with uh, the postseason, capital P postseason, because it's happening right now. And um, I don't know how you guys took in wildcard weekend, uh, but for me, I found I was, you, you know, I always like the playoffs and pay attention to them but I was I was a little more riveted than I usually am and I don't know if that was a product of you know the the Cubs playing well in the second half but never having a chance to be in the playoffs kind of put me in the right headspace to be like I'm happy and I'd like to enjoy these playoffs and I've got no you know bad feelings about the Cubs not being here maybe that was a part of it but I also think maybe this new format um you know where you've got these four three game series going on to kick things off it it's better than the one gamer the the wild card game i think that's clear to me after one weekend i like this a lot better but the drama is still there right away because it's like if you lose that first game you are in trouble and so i think maybe they sneaky got this one very right and maybe that was just me and maybe they were good games or whatever but i was i was into it yeah, I, I mean, just as far as entertainment value in that first uh, those first two days, especially because there's four games in a row uh, for the first two days guaranteed. Uh, that's that's fun. That's awesome. I think there's some fallout. You know, we'll we'll see how it works as far as the format and how teams treat the off season and trade deadline going forward. I think you know we saw some of it. Uh, maybe this deadline and we'll see it this winter about like, well, you know, unless you're have a really good shot at one of those top two seeds, 
what's the point of trying to push from 85 to 91 wins, right? If you're if you're in a division where 98 wins is what's going to take to win your division, then just get that wild card, right? Because you're not going to be one of those top two seeds. Can uh, I just slide in real quick with a, a side yeah. point on that? Because I agree with that, and, and I know Jed made that point too, and there is some wisdom to that, and we'll see how the series play out after the bye. But I think it's reasonable to note of the four series that were decided this weekend, three of the winners, the Phillies, the Mariners, and the Padres, all pushed in pretty darn aggressively at midseason um phillies maybe a little less so than the other two but hey they got david robertson unlike the cowardly mets uh and so i thought that was you know i thought that was heartening uh you know and maybe that's just a a story i want to be able to tell but i was like i was happy to see that no I, i but uh overall i loved it i i agree i didn't feel like there was a loss of like tension in any way like it, it, it was fun uh, it was also happy to see uh starting pitchers going deeper uh I, I felt like a lot of the starting pitchers were going five six seven innings I mean uh what, what's his name Tyler Glasnow went five innings coming off Tommy John like that's that's pretty cool like that that was cool to see uh I know that <laughs> Ray's Guardians game was like completely yeah, lacking only, in offense he only but. pitched a third of the game come on (laughs) yeah uh but i I, it was it was nice to see pitchers going deep and and just the games like really felt like they had meaning from first pitch oh to me between watching some of the playoffs and listening to uh jed's one-man show yesterday i mean to (laughs) me i think it's an organizational failure if the cubs don't make the postseason next year i mean how hard is it to be among you know the top six in the league wait top seven right yeah <laughs> top six top six yep. no, top there six. were seven top teams top, yeah seven teams had winning records and yes, six made yes. the playoffs Only in the one, National League. yes one winning team in that now the brewers did not make the playoffs and it's just like either you know the cubs have read everything wrong off of you know this amazing second half and they don't have as much as they think or they sign the wrong players, or the money does not magically appear this offseason, or, you know, the great vibes in David Ross's clubhouse, you know, don't translate. Like, there is just no excuse next year. I mean, you had your Darvish trade, and man, that guy's a really good pitcher, huh? I mean, he's, <laughs> you know, going into New York game one, throwing almost 200 innings this season. Um, you know, Why can't the Cubs ever of, get a pitcher like that? Why can't just they ever have amazing a like entertainment value on, on Twitter and just the way he pitches is just a great like artist on the mound and you know Kyle Schwarber hitting like forty six home runs or whatever and going back to the playoffs for the seventh time in eight seasons. Does that sound right? Um, yes. Or so I don't know. To me, you had your Darvish Schwarber. Uh, you know, financial reset off season. You had two s- subsequent sell offs at the trade deadline. Um, if they don't make the playoffs next year, something went seriously wrong. And even though they don't talk about timelines and they like to be vague and you know never want to be pinned down, um, I think that's where everyone's expectations should be. You know, it's kind of you know uh, playoffs or bust next year. Uh, yeah, I, I just want to jump in real quick, Brett. Sorry, because something just popped up on Twitter. 
since you brought him up, David Robertson I, strained his calf, <laughs> jumping up in the air when Bryce Harmer, Harper homered against the Cards last round. And he's, he's off out the, for the division series. Yeah, yeah. I, I shouldn't saw, laugh. That I, I just uh, uh, he's a good dude and deserves to, a chance to pitch in the playoffs again. But uh, yeah, geez. But that's was, that's rough. And also, uh, we should, if we're talking playoffs, I, I totally spaced on mentioning Joe Musgrove and, and his ears getting felt up. Like, that was, uh, that was some, um, that was amazing. That was just the great to watch. <laughs> yes, that was, no, I was so happy that that happened because you just love those, you just love those, like, uh, come together moments for all baseball fans and even non-baseball fans that can be like, what happened? <laughs> um, it's just, yeah, it was deeply enjoyable. Also, and, and, um. You know, Saris wrote a great uh, sort of more technical look at like the uh, the Musgroves uh, jumps in spin rate and whether it could be tied to anything. Uh, you know, it seems like not because there's actually a good reason that your spin rate increases when your velocity does. So uh, check that out, folks. But yeah, well, you know, taking off of what uh, Mooney said, you know, I think it, it for me at least, and I know that people here you know, there is, there is to some extent you hear what you want to hear, you know, in a season ending presser, like from Jed Hoyer. And we know, we know that we're going to be carrying that with us for an off season. And we also know, you know, Jed is notoriously cagey on, on details. So you almost, you're, you're necessarily going to read stuff in because you have to, if you want to divine any meaning at all. And we take a lot with us into that setting. And it's hard to separate that. It's hard not to have whatever he says, meet your expectations that were pre-existing that said so i'm guilty of that i'm sure blast me whatever for me i came out of that with a general sense of um oh yeah they're definitely not throwing any cold water on any expect any of the pre-existing build-up of expectations on the availability of spending the types of pursuits that they will look into you know all of those things i did not in the least, leave that press conference feeling like, ah, boy, they really aren't going to do X or they, you know, they definitely are going to whatever. And I wasn't alone in that reaction, but I also, it was not universal in that reaction. Some folks heard it very differently. And so I'm curious, let's start there, biggest picture, widest lens, how you guys heard it and what it means for your own expectations on the kinds of things the Cubs will try to do this offseason. Yeah, well, it wasn't the forceful, like, Theo Epstein announcing his presence and, and saying, like, we're going to... He's had multiple pressers after the season where he's kind of made it kind of clear that they'll be big players, right? Or that this is a team on the rise, right? Was it after the Dale Swaim firing where, where Theo was kind of adamant that uh, media was wrong on their perception? The talk around baseball is is that the Cubs are coming and, and they're going to be they're going to be this great powerhouse. Uh, and, 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 you know, he, he, it wasn't defiant like that. It wasn't, uh, this is our off season to announce our presence, anything like that. But uh, you just compare it to last year and this year. I mean, he wasn't talking. I mean, he said, yeah, would like to make the playoffs type stuff, but it wasn't, he didn't start off with this long soliloquy about sitting and watching the playoffs and how he's sick of being on the sidelines for that. He wants to bring the postseason back to Chicago for the fans I I think I think that matters I think that it tells me a lot Jed's different than Theo in the way he kind of communicates these things uh 
and and I think I think that's as strong as you may get uh, as as far as declarations go. Uh, to me, if people want to focus on the intelligent spending aspect of it, I think they're hearing the wrong thing. He, he multiple times said that they're going to be aggressive, right? And, and I think if I if I think back to what he says and, and uh, kind of pick apart what he's talking about, there was talk about, yes, we, we need to make sure we don't spend to the point where it handcuffs us in the future. Uh, there was some talk about pitching and how they want to look at pitching. Uh, all of this made me think that adding a bat makes so much sense this winter. The way they're looking at it, it just, I mean, we've said it for the past whatever, however many months, six months, five months, four months, whatever it's been, we've said it a lot, but the shortstops make all the sense in the world. The more time, the more I think about it, if they don't go out and get one of those shortstops it feels like a big miss and a bit of a failure because you're not blocking anyone you're improving your middle infield defense your system is stacked with pitching and outfielders if you don't go out and get a shortstop you're missing an opportunity and it's not they are not uh, Milwaukee or Cleveland or any of these small market teams that if they set, sign one big free agent that's it they're done for multiple years. Uh, they can go out and get Shohei Otani the following winter if he's available. But if you're bracing for another winter in the future, you're making mistakes because those guys aren't available yet. Those guys could be extended. You you may love Raphael Devers. Guess what? Boston's going to work really hard to extend him. Just because Heim Bloom has acted a certain way uh, in previous offseasons doesn't mean that's how he's going to behave with the Red Sox for the rest of his tenure. Uh, he needs to start winning as well. He's a, he he. Uh, the Cubs aren't the only team that need to start spending. Uh, so so you can't wait for Devers. You can't hope that Manny Machado opts out. Uh, you can't even hope that. Otani's on the market act on the players who are available now uh those shortstops make all the sense in the world uh I think it I think a lot of what he said uh leads me to believe that they will be shopping in the upper end when it comes to those shortstops uh if they come away with them is you know that's that's hard to know because it's so unpredictable but that that's that should be their goal and I think that is uh, at the top of their list just listening to them i mean bullpen they, they're going to add they're not going to spend a ton right that's not like multi-year deals uh starting pitching yes but i mean <clears throat> patrick correct me if i'm wrong but or both of you i guess uh heard this but it was basically like yeah we're looking for pitchers that we can maximize type thing it wasn't like a total like we're going to go out and get carlos rodon who's already established and yeah and but type can thing. i, I want to jump in on that because i did see some discourse on that question and answer which again we sometimes we see what we want to see we hear what we want to hear but like i took that way different than a lot of folks because okay. when he was asked so first of all we know jed hoyer is never going to commit to in a particular area of the market because they don't want it to be used against them in the future and he already knows that there is this swell of discourse out there about them needing a top of the rotation arm it's still true they still need it we everything we've said is still correct right when he got that question after talking at length about pitching in general 
and having already made his point about, well, you, you, we need quality innings. That's, you know, we need, we need depth. We need whatever we like to, you know, we believe in our infrastructure, all that kind of stuff. He later gets, well, the question about the top of the rotation arm, two things. He, he demurs on identifying what counts as a top of the rotation arm. Very typical front office response. Good, fine, fair. And then he shut it down quickly. That was what, that was his shortest answer. Other than I think he had a couple where he was like, no, uh, it was the <laughs> shortest answer of the day because he didn't want to talk about it. He did not want to expand on it at all other than to say, yeah, we want quality innings and we want to make guys better. That's not, that doesn't say anything at all. That is a complete non-answer. They would always want quality innings and to make guys better. That's just the silliest to me. It was very, I don't think it makes sense to hear that response as, oh, well, they're definitely not going to be looking at impact starters. No, he just didn't want to say it. I know you're not saying it. I know you're not saying it. Yeah. I'm just saying I've seen that sentiment out there that because he didn't say, yeah, we're going to be looking at aces. We're going to be looking at top of the rotation arms. That that means that they aren't. That is uh, a, a strange conclusion to me, especially against the backdrop of the rest of the press conference and the state of the roster as we see it and we can evaluate it as we have been for weeks and months. Yeah, I think basically my conclusion is I think they're going to if they're going to make a big big signing this winter, it's going to be one of those shortstops. That's where I like that's what I felt, and that's and I don't my feelings haven't changed after that press conference. They they're reinforced. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Sure. But to be fair, we had been saying going into that press conference that the Cubs had two big ticket needs. They need one of those sure. shortstops and they need a front of the rotation arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt. I was thinking it's important to remember at this time last year, no one expected the Cubs to sign Marcus Stroman. And he didn't get that five-year deal that Robbie Ray and Gosman got. Like, they are in a position to do almost anything they want. Like they can be in all of those conversations. They can be, uh, opportunistic and, you know, the free agent market has been kind of a regular the last several years. Like we don't know how teams are going to respond to whether it's Radon or Senga. I mean, there's a lot of options out there. The Cubs will have money to burn. Uh, they, typically make a pretty compelling case to free agents particularly pitchers and you know I'm I'm with you but I think people kind of came into that not necessarily hearing what they want to hear but it's hard when 
you know, this is kind of a marquee TV show. And it's like we're in the interview room and there's microphones on each side. And it's not necessarily the same, like, give and take. Like, if you have the microphone, you can ask your follow-ups. But it's like kind of bouncing all around the room. And Jed's, you know, kind of got his head on a swivel. And I think we all are in agreement that it's the point where it doesn't matter what the Cubs say anymore. It's all about their actions and you know teams that have great momentum don't have to say we have great momentum in our building like you can feel it you can tell it you can see it because they're still playing in October and so you know Jed is in the spot where you know I think everything is collaborative in in modern baseball and you know you players talk to each other and David Ross is seemingly a pretty good recruiter but this is on Jed's shoulders like this entire winter is the Jed Hoyer show I mean just ask his boss when Tom Rickett says the ball's in Jed's court you know if Jed sees the right play at the right time we'll totally support him like this is his after a couple off seasons of having to do kind of the dirty work and the cleanup from you know an administration that he was a huge part of but like they've made a lot of the hard choices and the, you know, kind of cold blooded decisions to cut ties with all of like your favorite players. And so now you have, if not a blank slate, you have a lot of room to maneuver. And this is on Jed. Like if the Cubs make the playoffs next year, Jed had a great off season. If they don't, people are going to have a lot of hard questions about where this is going. I found it really interesting. Um, said against everything that you just said, Mooney, um, that when Jed was asked about the sort of institutional support, ownership support, biz op support for having the money available to make a major signing, um, the Cubs generally, um, including Tom Ricketts, have had a pretty standard response to those kinds of questions, which was just sort of like, if it's the right player, then you know the money the will the resources will be available. It's a very generic response, which is fine. I thought it was interesting in this case um, that Jed went a little more detailed and talked about how like why he has the confidence that the resources will be there, and suggested that it is in large part because when they do have that level of um, commitment and interest and confidence in a particular player that may require sort of an ownership level commitment of future dollars that they come very prepared to have that conversation you know they they that there's a lot of documentation about the value of that player the impact and, and these are all things that we would know to be true but i just thought it was interesting that he was laying that out to everyone else as like a no seriously when we have conviction in the right player money isn't a concern because we will already know that we can convince those who need convincing that it would be the right player at the right, you know, price level. I just thought, I thought that was an interesting way to talk about it rather than the more generic. Yeah. The funds are there if we need them. Um, and I thought, I don't know. I, again, maybe I'm just hearing it the way I wanted to hear it. I thought it suggested to me, um, that there is a preparedness to, pursue some of those bigger longer term higher dollar players just in ter- like you have to be ready to to pounce on any of those guys if they would fall into a window where you're like oh this deal makes sense um and i i just 
I heard that as, okay, yeah, they're definitely making preparations to potentially pursue a lot of the biggest names. That's how I heard that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this comes back to uh, it, Patrick touched on it with we, we didn't fully expect the Stroman or even say uh, at, the, at the at this point last year those deals. Uh, I, I really think we we need, Cubs fans need to be recalibrated here with with the the idea that it's there's a there's a lot of talk there's often talk about going all in or or really like having a big off season. I like Jed doesn't look at it that way. He doesn't like he he really dislikes that. In fact, I mean Theo was like this too. They they don't like the concept of you're going all in or you're one piece away. That that that's when they they believe that type of thinking is when you start making mistakes, uh, give up too much in a trade, spend too much uh, uh, in the free agent market. Uh, and and I I I can see that. I agree with that. I don't. You don't want it to be uh, an ownership, uh, uh, you know, saying uh, ownership coming in and saying time to spend uh, time to bring uh, fans back into the ballpark by spending big money. Uh, I I think they do owe it to the fans uh, to spend some money. Uh, but I think fans are a little like guarded right now and, and saying, well, there, uh, there's a, there was a lot of response to like, why would you expect them to spend? They've shown no reason to. I just think it's, they don't go hog wild like they used to in an off season and, uh, or they're just not, I, I think they just need to prove themselves again. Right. Stroman and, and Suzuki, it's easy to point out why, if you want to be that type of person, it's easy to point out why, oh, those are just, it, Stroman was brought in, it's a short-term deal, it's essentially a two-year deal, they could easily trade him, uh, Suzuki, just a marketing addition, right? I've, I've heard both of those arguments uh, <laughs> from from uh, jaded fans, and I think uh, this offseason should be the time where they start to turn that narrative uh, back to where it was in 15 and 16 that this is a real this is a team that really is aggressive in the market at, at the right times uh, I, I I think that if things go properly this won't be the only offseason where they spend uh, now does that mean that they go after the best top free agent every offseason probably not but does that mean they're spending and adding and making moves every offseason absolutely it should be if if they are have built what they claim to be building that's how you treat the offseason jed talks about this all the time it's so rare to to be able to engage other teams or or uh, get find motivated uh players around around the league to to make trades uh, it's so rare to be able to impact your team. The offseason is the, when the front office should be shining and doing those things. The trade deadline and and the offseason, if Jed has his way, he'll never be inactive at either of those points. Either if things aren't working out, then Jed's going to move pieces. If things are, he's going to be aggressive. Even if they're middling, he's going to do something. He doesn't believe in being inactive. I've had a lot of conversations with him about this. It's just, it, it, it's it's a missed opportunity in his eye uh, when when you're when you're inactive in times when when other teams are motivated to do things. So whether it's trades, free agency, whatever it is, I expect him to be busy 
when when those opportunities arise and this is as we've said this is going to be one of those off seasons where it just makes all the sense in the world to get this team to a level where uh they're respectful respected again and and a team that you know doesn't look like a pushover where where Pete Alonso can't say, well, we were swept by the Cubs, and it's like, well, that's the reason we blew it, because we were <laughs> swept by that trash team, is essentially what he's saying. <laughs> but it's, it's definitely at a point where they need to hear more of Pete Alonso and less of how great their clubhouse is and like yeah. how competitive they were in September. Right. And if you want one takeaway, it was a good question from... Jay Cohen from the AP of like, is there a danger in reading too much into this wrong finish to the season? It's like, yes. And I think it's that. And it's not worrying about, you know, oh, what if we trade like James Triantos and he becomes like an all-star second baseman in 2030? It's like, who cares? Or if like, oh, <laughs> Trey Turner or Carlos Correa might have to like, you know, move off shortstop in 2029 or like they won't you know, they might be only like a 0.6 war player then. It's like, who cares? Like, you guys got to put a good product on the team next year. I mean, this is, uh, you know, kind of at a point with just, I mean, looking at the Reds, the Pirates, the Brewers, like the expanded playoff field, the seasons they've already written off to this point. And we can go all the way back to when Theo first got here. I think Jed is very you know, acutely aware of that, of the foundation for sustained success, you know, busted on them. And they have to get this up going again uh, quickly because I think you're right, Brett. I think that ownership is, you know, now in its, you know, second decade of owning the team. And when Jed says, you know, Tom is asking Carter and I the right questions and is pressing us on things like there's it's not, you know, 2010 anymore. It's not 2012 anymore. The game, you know, has changed a lot. The Cubs have been maybe slower on some of those things. And I think just taking for granted three million fans every year we saw this year, that is not the case. And it's not uh, out of the question for ownership to demand that uh, this front office puts a playoff caliber roster together. And then for the front office to say, like, David Ross, you seem like a great dude. You know, we love the culture you're building, but, like, this team has to be ready to play on opening day and doesn't get, like, two months and then just kind of scrimmages for the rest of the year. And then it's on the players to who are getting these big contracts to perform. And these young players to take this offseason and work on their weaknesses and show up ready to win a job and not just be like, you know, like, hey, we're a family here. It's great here. It's like, no, you have to produce and win um, because I think, I don't know if I mentioned the last podcast, someone in the press room kind of towards the end of the season said, like, you know, this is the happiest almost 90 lost team you'll ever see. And I think there's a danger in just kind of like seeping in to where, you know, we get lots of seasons to see if we're maybe part of the core or not. It's like, no, this is the big leagues you have to produce. I Real quick, I thought there was a lot of good points there. Uh, talking about being like being willing to trade someone like James Triantos, 
is the whole point of building what you're building. It's not the whole point, but it's a big part of building what they're building. Uh, a year and a half ago, the Dodgers traded Josiah Gray and Caber Ruiz, who would have been at the time probably the Cubs' top troop prospects, uh, and and that and it didn't ding that. I mean, it hurt their system slightly, but it's still a top ten system. That is what the Cubs are trying to build. So you can't prospect cling anymore. You need to think about this as uh, you need to think about the system in more than just. Uh, you can't block Pete Crow Armstrong. They can't acquire a center fielder even for a year. What if Pete Crow Armstrong's ready by July? No. You can't acquire a first baseman. Matt Mervis is ready to go. Okay, if you don't upgrade in other areas, you have to upgrade somewhere. And first base is an area that they need to upgrade and need some guaranteed production if you're not getting it elsewhere. Right? So don't think about it as blocking prospects. You cannot think about it that way. You can't think about, well, I don't want to give up that prospect because, oh, I, I really like him. I think he's going to hit 350 someday. Uh, no, like it, there are established big leaguers who have produced year after year. And when you're trying to win, you have to give up something to get them. And if your system is what you claim it to be and you're creating that type of depth, then, yeah, it'll hurt a little bit to see that guy being great somewhere else. But you have other great players coming up. And that's the whole point of building what they're building. Uh, you, the, the young players aren't always ready to go. They don't always produce. Go look at Tampa Bay's lineup, littered with top 100 prospects. The only one who's delivering is Wander Franco. I'm not saying those guys are busts. I'm just saying it takes a while. Do you want to go through the growing pains, or do you want them to have, you know, guys that step up, that are big league ready, that are, you know, established big leaguers there? And then when when they move on, they have the 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 younger players are ready to go. They've they've come off the bench. They've filled in at different times. We've talked about this with how the Dodgers do it. Gavin Lux, Tony Gonsolin. That's what you do. You don't 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 treat this team like Tampa Bay. Don't treat them like. Cleveland they're there they should they should have they should be setting a higher standard this is why we usually go in a rotation because you just devoured the entire wonderful point that I was going to make <laughs> after uh, news comment there. uh so yes well said Sahadev the only thing I would augment is that uh, Hoyer himself yesterday noted that a lot of the scouting and player development changes in the organization really began in earnest back in 2018 and 2019 and that the long tail of those kinds of changes don't always manifest for many years and if that's true then it's all the more reason to be spending right now on impact big league players because if you're right then you have the kinds of things that Sahadev is talking about ready to backfill and come up when those needs develop because they will so it's it's the trades yes it's also the depth, yes. It's also the surprising impact and the surprising failures at the big league level that you need both players that you've developed and money to cover over. And if the Cubs are going to be the only big market team as treated by MLB in the National League Central, then you're going to have to start spending. And if not now, when? There's no other time that's going to make sense if you are yourselves saying, hey, we're so good now at scouting and player development that we finally got these guys arriving and you're going to see more of it because it's a long tail and we've gotten better the last three years. Okay, great. I'm ready to believe that, but you can have a big, great big league roster in the meantime, because you've got the money available. So, uh, I think that's where we'll leave it for now. Um, 
you know, off-season housekeeping schedule. So we will have periodic episodes. Keep us in your feed, please and thanks. They will be a little bit more uh, governed by the news uh, and things happening. Uh, so we will have... I'm sure we will have another episode before the end of the postseason because uh, we like talking about that stuff. But also it'll be then perhaps a little bit more dictated by the news schedule. So keep us in your feed and we'll pop up when there's uh, big stuff to talk about. So thank you all. This is On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I'm Brett Taylor. You can catch my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That's Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get theirs at The Athletic. We appreciate you all season long and uh, we look forward to what should be, should be, I'm poking the Cubs with my finger as I say that. Should be an interesting offseason. Take care, all. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.